what your voice encapsulates is everything that makes you, you, Mm -hmm. everything you've experienced, everything you believe, everything you feel, every, all those things. And no one, not one single person has the same total experience. It just don't that. I mean, it combines internal, external, all the things. No one has the same experience as someone else. And in my experience, the person that it touches the most is you. (laughs) I believe that you're a high achiever on paper and through the eyes of others. You've made it. Congratulations. But the truth is you feel unwanted, unworthy and unlovable. You always have, but you hide it well. Welcome to the Trauma Hiders Podcast. I'm Karen Goldfinger Baker, and this is a podcast where high achievers like you finally reveal what keeps them up at night that no amount of money or recognition will fix. I'm also making it my business to speak with people who get you. Hell, I get you. I am you. So get your best hider's face on, sit down, and let your guard down. What's on the other side of this shit will change your life. There are so many ways people like us fuck ourselves over. But let's start with five ways. When you know them, maybe you'll finally stop doing them. Over on my website, you'll find a free download listing the five ways your fuckery is getting in the way of the next level of your success. Grab it now at karengoldfingerbaker.com. My guest today is author, publisher, and coach Heather Doyle Frazier. Listen in as we talk all things compassion, truth, joy, writing, and books. This conversation is fueled by catharsis, freedom, and voice. And you just might hear some nerdy, wordy book talk. It's all good, and it's all useful, and it's all right here in the Trauma Hiders Club. I'm so glad you're here. I am so glad to be here, Karen. Yeah, we, we were just together in Dripping Springs outside of Austin, Texas for Camp Cultivate, which was facilitated. It was Allison Crow's camp and facilitated by Allison. If you remember, Allison was a guest on the Trauma Hiders Club with a focus on internal family systems. So if you'd like listeners, refer back to that show. Um, Anyway, Heather and I were together at camp. Although we've been connected on Facebook for a while, we had never met. And here we are in the Trauma Hiders Club after spending three and a half days together. In real life. In real <laughs> life. We actually went to a women's retreat to get like in real life, seeing humans. It was glorious. Mm-hmm. By the way, maybe one day I'll do a show on women's retreat and my how I've always stayed away and found a bit of a breakthrough in women's retreats. So that's interesting mm-hmm. to be discussed later. So Heather is here because, well, she's wonderful. And also you're here, Heather, because we touched on many things, including 
compassion. And mm-hmm. if there is something that is a through line in the Trauma Hydras Club, it is compassion, self-compassion. When I say surrender, I'm often, maybe that, maybe compassion is what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I have to kind of sit with that one. But in the meantime, here we are. And quick question for you. I guess I can ask a question that I often ask. What are you hiding most right now? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know that I'm hiding this, but it's definitely present and maybe I'm not explicit with it. So I don't know if that's just kind of omission hiding, but not really hiding, hiding, (laughs) but it would be that with all the people that I work with and, and I, I talk about this with them for sure. I struggle with writing just like everyone else does. Mm. I struggle with that inner critical voice, just like everyone else does. Mm -hmm. I have had a lot of experience in dealing with that. And I fall into the same traps Mm -hmm. that every single person does. And so while I talk to my one-on-one clients about that all the time, I don't always think about sharing that all the time, just randomly. So I would, I would probably put that in the omission hiding piece rather than the secretive hiding piece. But that comes to mind that I want everyone to know, even though I don't talk about it all the time, Mm -hmm. is that when people are, when I'm working with people either in a group setting or one-on-one, I know what it feels like to be in their shoes because I have been in their shoes and I am in their shoes, depending on where they are at whatever point of the writing process. The writing process is the life process, in my opinion. And because I have been in the publishing industry for the past 25 years. I know what it feels like from the publishing standpoint, from the writer standpoint, from the published author standpoint, from just being a creative and daily trying to work in time for your practice. So I experience all of those pitfalls, all of those moments, longer periods of doubt, uncertainty, and everything I'm not claiming to be someone who doesn't like who, who isn't familiar with that. I am very familiar with those things. And that's why I truly want to help people navigate those things. Yeah. Did I answer the question? I'm not sure. Oh, you did. You did it in a way that was jam packed. (laughs) And I love that you did it in a way that was jam packed because there was like, oh, I'm going to show you some of me. And I'm also going to maybe deflect a little bit with some, right? Like with some knowledge, with some, yeah. (laughs) Comfort zone place, right? Right. (laughs) Right. I'm going to tell you something about me and then we're going to put a blankie over it. Yeah. So yes, you answered the question and you did it beautifully. And with with some self-compassion as well. And what I really, what I really love about your answer is what I heard you say is, I get you, mm-hmm. whoever you are. And something that Heather and I were talking about before we started recording is what I want people to know, what I want listeners to know is it is cathartic to write. And what I also want listeners to know is it's really easy to say that. So something that I said to Heather is all it takes is a pen, 
or something to write with and something to write on. And that also sounds easy and true. Mm -hmm. And I believe it is true. I'm just not sure it's easy. So what I love about what you said is that you are that invitation to be gentle with yourself. And also you're a person who is gentle with her writing clients. So yeah, you want to riff on that? Yeah, I do. Because it, there is that gentle, like safe haven component. And then there's also, when we talk about compassion, there is a super fierce component. And so the definition that I use for compassion is one that has been espoused by Dr. Paul Gilbert out of the Compassionate Mind Foundation in the UK. And that definition is compassion is the ability and the willingness to see the pain and suffering in yourself and in others, and then the motivation and the courage to do something to alleviate, lessen, or prevent that suffering. Mm. So when we talk about compassion with writing, yes, you need a pen and a piece of paper, maybe a, a laptop, if that's your mode that you want, you know, to digital type of thing. But you also need compassion, especially if you're writing something that is going to bring up a lot of emotion and difficult, challenging things. Yeah. And that compassion is like, okay, I'm willing to do this. And I'm also really taking care and, and taking courage to help myself through this process. Mm-hmm. And so there is a gentleness and then there's also a fierceness to that Yeah, um, that I don't think people realize when they think of the word compassion. Yeah, I agree. Right. It's, it's actually the same energy. It's the, yes. right. Like the gentle. I love that the, you said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gentle and fierce is the same. Yes. Right. So I am at, well, here I am trauma hiders club. There's a reason why I have this podcast. I know that there is a writer in me. I have a belief there's probably a writer in everybody. That's your business. You get to say that, whether or not that's true. However, there's also the fuckery in me mm-hmm. that hears that like knows there's something to say, that I have something to say, but my stories are saying, who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? Like I can, I can go on forever with, so here are the things that come up for me. Who gives a shit? Why should anyone care? Who are you to believe that you have anything to say that's worthwhile? You're full of crap. There are so many good writers and you're not one of them. Um, I could keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you won't be surprised to hear that I've heard all of these things. <laughs> yeah. I'm not surprised. So, so first, let me just say, you are not alone. Welcome to the Writers Club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And those things are deeply held fears, uncertainties, mm-hmm. doubts that everybody has that are, you can logically kind of 
maybe unhook from them, but it's difficult to unhook from them emotionally. Right. And I, I do give people some examples and some experience around that, um, when I'm working with them. But one of the things that I I do think that everyone has a voice to share and whatever their mode of sharing that, whether it's writing, speaking, dancing, drawing, painting, it, it all comes down to your voice. And sometimes we might feel more comfortable in one area than in another, but we want to, we want to help bring out another one. Like we, we have this knowing inside, especially with writing, like, I think that I could do that. I think that, I think there's something in me that really wants to do that. And especially some of these, these fears that you listed are not fears exactly, but doubts or uncertainties Mm -hmm. around those things. Those are the things that stop us before we start. Yeah. And they also like, if you go into a bookstore, a library, even look on Amazon, there's like 33 million titles in Amazon. If you go into obviously a library, you're going to see thousands upon thousands of books. And every single one of those books has a unique voice, even if they don't have an absolutely unique idea that they're, I mean, I I'm, I'm going to tell you they don't because, right. <laughs> because they, a lot of things come down to universal truths right. that we're sharing. But the thing that is distinct and different is the voice because mm. what your voice encapsulates is everything that makes you, you, mm-hmm. everything you've experienced everything you believe, everything you feel, every, all those things. And no one, not one single person has the same total experience. They just don't that. I mean, it combines internal, external, all the things. No one has the same experience as someone else. Even if they're in the same environment, look at families. No, it's just, you don't. So I contend that everyone has a unique voice Mm -hmm. and that's what makes them distinct. And that voice is what touches people. I mean, the story does too, but if it wasn't delivered by that voice, it wouldn't resonate. Mm -hmm. So that's why there's thousands upon thousands and millions of books that talk about the same thing and have the same feel, but it doesn't resonate the same with each person. And I always think what a travesty it would be if your voice was just like, just begging you to come out and you denied it because of one of those thoughts that feels really true, Mm -hmm. but you denied it. And then that person that you could have touched that it could have resonated with never sees it. Yeah. And in my experience, the person that it touches the most is you. (laughs) I believe that somebody said this and I wish I remembered who right now, but the most like self-development you will ever find in a book is the book you write yourself. Mm. And I'm terribly paraphrasing that, but <laughs> that's the idea. I get that. Yeah. And I truly believe that. So if you want to touch one life, you will a hundred percent, but you're also going to touch more than that. Yeah. When yeah. You're right. I mean, it's kind of like launching this podcast. Yes, exa- exactly. I found so many reasons not to do it. Although like the call was so strong do this thing that was not there when you needed it. Also do this thing that could be here when you still need it. Right. It was both of those things. Mm -hmm. So scariest shit I've ever done in my life. Like this is the, 
launching my podcast was the most confronting thing I had ever done. Well, I suppose telling my parents about my childhood sexual abuse 11 years later was also confronting, but this was different because I, I couldn't even get a response. I didn't know what would happen. Right. Right. It's just out there. Intentionally putting your voice out there for everyone, not everyone. like a couple people. That's right. That's right. That's interesting. I hadn't thought like, it's funny because this is something I talk about in my coaching all the time. Like I can, I can go to the shithole with you because I have been to the shithole, but I hadn't thought about like, oh, all that stuff was true. What all that I said, you know, all the stuff that I said about writing was also true when I was creating my podcast. Well, somehow I survived that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Imagine that. And I didn't even have a compassionate coach with me. Oh, I kind of did. I did. You had yourself with you. I had myself and I did have a, a loving and compassionate coach in developing my podcast, Toby Goodman, who lives in the UK. He's a great guy. And in fact, he just put out a book called Narrow Podcasting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did have someone who is compassionate. However, not necessarily trained in compassion as you are. So let me ask you, let's say let's say it's me, right? I come and I say, Heather, there, I don't even know what it is, but my voice needs to get out into the world. And I'm pretty sure it needs to be bound pages with a cover. And I'm not sure what the story is. (laughs) I'm not saying the B word, but I mean, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) I'm not saying it's a B word, but I'm saying, but I know you do that work. I just happen to be reaching out to you. And then I tell you, I have all these things. What is your process for whether it's one-on-one or in a group? Like, what are the things I would work on Mm -hmm. to kind of acknowledge yet get over myself? I mean, there's so much, but the process is the same, whether I'm working with a group of people or Mm one-on-one, obviously you go deeper in a different way, one-on-one, but it's the same process. And we always start with the why, Mm. why do you want to put your voice out there? Why is now the time? And why is this message important for you to share and really getting clear on like the deep why there, like you know, you say the first thing and then the second thing and you go down to the third thing and then you get to the fourth thing. And then you're like, Oh, but there's one more thing. Yeah. Really, really down deep. That's the thing. That's the thing. So really exploring that and then looking to, you know, who you need to be to write Mm, this book. Nice ways of being. Yeah. Because it's, you've never done this before. Most, most likely. I mean, some people come to me that they've already written books, but even, even when they're writing their second, third book or whatever, that particular book may require something different from them. Mm -hmm. And that particular message might require something different. So who you need to be in order to write the book, who your audience is, who your ideal person that you're writing to. And that's not like, I'm writing to like appease them or like I'm writing Mm. what they think they need to hear. I'm writing to them to meet them where they are. Mm -hmm. So when you know 
real, when you have a really clear idea of who you're writing to, and that could be, you could even think about it. Like, I know this person and they're, this is who, like, this is when I think about my ideal reader, it's that person, or maybe like a composite of different things. But when you can picture where they are in certain things, it's like when you're having a conversation with someone and you don't jump to point M before going through ABC because they, they need ABC first. Um, so you're gently bringing them along with you. However, whatever you're presenting to them, or maybe they are at point M. And so when you know that you're like, great, we can skip to point M. Awesome. Um, but really knowing who that person is. And sometimes for people who are entrepreneurs, business owners, they might initially think, oh, this is just my ideal client. Not always, Mm. not always. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it isn't. And then sometimes we have different, you know, like subgroups of the people that we work with. And so who is that ideal reader? And I encourage people not to just knee jerk into like, oh yeah, it's that person that I work with. Just really delve into that. Mm-hmm. And then we go into like, okay, what is that main message that I want to share? Because everything is going to be in service to that message. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people might have, you know, when they think about their book plan and what they want to include, there might be this tangential idea out here that they're like, I really need to share that, but it doesn't fit with that main message. And that might just be another book, or it might, we might have to look deeper for the connection to see how it does fit, but really getting clear on that main message, how that aligns with your values, how that aligns with, you know, the values of your ideal reader. All of those things work together. Do you help people determine, like some people show up and they don't know what their values are. True. Yes. Is that a part of the process? Yes. Yeah. Yep. So I meet people where they are. Um, Some people come knowing that some people come not having spent a lot of time doing that work. Yeah. Um, So wherever they are on that kind of continuum, that's where we start. And then I help them map out. So what does this, this project contain? Like, what does this book contain in terms of the big ideas and how you're going to get there? And, you know, the genre, all the things working together. And one of the things that I think is really important is obviously your voice, uh, you know, like you're building a connection with your voice when you start on this process and your story. So even Mm -hmm. if it isn't a memoir or something, I would still love to see you in the story. Like you have to bring parts of you in because that's the emotional connection that binds the reader to you. Mm -hmm. I feel like books are relationships. That's why they mean so much. I mean, from a very young age, I was hook, line and sinker into the relationship (laughs) and the connection. Do you remember the first book you loved? I remember the first collection of books that I loved. Mm. What was it? The Wizard of Oz series. I didn't know there was a series. I guess I. Oh, yes. Wait, wait, maybe I, maybe I did. Now that I think about it, there's the Wizard of Oz, but then there's. Like Ozma of Oz, TikTok of Oz, uh, like a bunch of the, the Patchwork Girl of Oz. Okay. Never knew this. Yeah. So my dad read me those when I was really little. 
that's the first time I remember being totally captivated Mm. and into the relationship with the characters, the author, the story, all the things. Ooh, I feel like I need to read this. I mean, I haven't reread it in a long, long time, but I think I reread them to my daughter when she was real little, but yeah. Yeah. I'm now I'm intrigued. I'm going to remember that. Mine was, I mean, I can think of like early so that I am this old that when we had reading in school, we had Sally, Dick and Jane. Oh yeah. Yeah. There was some crazy shit that went down in yeah. Sally, Dick and Jane. <laughs> True. Yeah. True story. <laughs> and the artwork just, there was, I'm, I don't know, like even as a young child, there was something that creeped me out. A bit anemic, right? A bit anemic. There was also a smell to the books. Like that's, that is something that is absolutely on my radar is how things smell. Yep. I do remember in kindergarten, there was a book read by our librarian called the blueberry pie elf Mm. people. My goodness. It is. I, I probably think about it three times a week this little elf loved blueberry pie and like left little elf footprints in the kitchen. I have been waiting for those for so long. <laughs> the other one was um, Ramona books. Oh yeah. I love yeah. Ramona books. Yeah. I was in search of a Donzerly light. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Just like Ramona. Like, of mm-hmm. course there is going to be a Donzerly light, which of course turned out to be the Don's early light, but you know, um, but I think the series that I really remember well, and it actually, if I think about it, it may have been, this is like, I'm bringing joy and horror together in this at the same time, but it may have been at at the same time. It may have been when I was 10, which was when I was molested. I believe that's when I got into the little house. Oh yeah. On the prairie or whatever we call it. Is that what yep. the series is yep. called? Little, yep. Yeah. And I think it was then because I have an image of it's winter and I'm sitting in my family's living room and nobody ever sat there really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of dark and it was like a cozy, safe place to be. So that series really to this day, whenever, and my husband will vouch for this, whenever it's cold and we layer blankets on the bed, mm-hmm. I always say, oh my gosh, it's just like Little House on the Prairie. It's like we're in, the, we're in their bedroom. Yeah. I love that you said that at Little House, those books definitely around the same age for me. I think that's mm-hmm. a really common age for that series. Yeah. But I love how you connected with that as like a safe haven, because I think that's what books do. Yes. I think that that's what story does for people. And that's why I reread things because Mm -hmm. I want that relationship again. I want that safe haven again. That's why, you know, there's certain books that I read every year at a certain time to like, just be that, Oh yeah, that feels good. What is that book for you? Well, there's more than one, (laughs) (laughs) which is at the top of your list. Um, It depends on different times of year. The alchemist is one. 
I love the great work of your life by Stephen Cope. Mm -hmm. That's a great one. The great work of your life is nonfiction, right? The alchemist is, you know, an allegory. Yes. Fiction wise. I have a series of books that I read every October because it's October and Halloween. Deborah Harkness series, Discovery of Witches trilogy. And that's just like a super fun, indulgent, easy for my brain, but like, Ooh, we're talking about Halloween and this month. And so I always read that, that series during that month in October. Nice. But there's different books for different times for me. And I usually have like two or three books, new books that I'm reading. And then a book that I've already read kind of in the background, Mm -hmm. um, always kind of as a, oh yeah, that's just, you know, kind of my safe place book at that moment. Yeah. So what, what are you reading right now? Okay. So right now I am rereading Percy Jackson, (laughs) the lightning thief. Yeah. Because I am a very, like I read all genres. So I love some YA. I love, I love poetry. I love nonfiction, memoir, you name it. I'm, I'm in. So I've got that book going. I also on my nightstand have Barbara King Solver's book of poetry. She's Mm. probably like if I had to pick a favorite author, she might be it just because she's, she's written in so many genres Mm -hmm. and I love her new book of poetry. I think it came out last year, maybe earlier this year. I time is a hard thing for me right now. (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Pandemic. (laughs) But I love all of her different, I mean, like her different Mm -hmm. genre books, creative essay, fiction, nonfiction. One of my favorite memoirs is her animal vegetable miracle. Mm -hmm. Her book of poetry is on my nightstand. I just finished rereading Anna Karenina. Um, Nice. Nice. (laughs) There's one more that's sitting there that I haven't spent a lot of time on recently. I can't remember. I can see it on my nightstand, but I can't remember it. Is that that I brought with me to dripping Springs. I'll tell you, I brought two books with me to dripping Springs on our trip. Um, the great work of your life as my safety book right? and tiny, beautiful things by Cheryl Strait. Oh, nice. Yeah. Cool. I love all those. Yeah. Barbara Kingsolver that cannot go wrong, cannot go wrong. So when I think of like insomnia, chosen insomnia, by the way, mm-hmm. it's sort of like, oh, I kind of can't sleep. So I'm going to pick up my book now. Oh, I'm going to complain about not being able to sleep the next day, but I chose this <laughs> and I yeah. can't put this down. <laughs> and I can't put this down. So, so um, I don't know if you remember, but I recommended this book to you. I also like, uh, there's something about young adult literature recently that, or maybe I just never chose it, but it has kind of blown my mind. There is a book the house by the cerulean sea. Yes. I didn't write yes. that down when you told me earlier. So I'm writing it down now. I think yeah. we're standing in a field. So yeah. I get why you didn't write it down, but such a gosh, I read it probably now two and a half years ago. And I have a hard time getting it out of my head. It's, it's got, it's got some mysticism and 
it's fiction. It's fiction. Mm-hmm. But it is such, such a beautiful message about connecting with people mm-hmm. and surrender and just, oh, it's stunning. I will say that I was on sort of a book ban <laughs> for a while, a self-imposed book ban. Why? I'll tell you why. This, this had to do when I was first building my coaching practice. I had every friggin' book about coaching mm. and business building and you name it. And what I discovered, what I noticed about myself was I kept telling myself, well, once I practice that thing or I do more of this thing or I become more of that or not until this. Mm-hmm. And I was holding myself back and that I felt it's interesting because I do associate books and writing with voice. And yet I felt choked. Mm-hmm. Now, it, clearly, I was not a victim of the books. I was choosing this. But I said, OK, no more books now. Having done the work or doing the work, I realized banning books was not (laughs) the answer, but I did. But that was like that was my first go to stop reading. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What you're pointing. I mean, what you're pointing to is like self-doubt, right? Like that's what that's what it is. And I have told clients you cannot read another book until you do, until you write something for me. <laughs> nice. Good. I mean, like that's not my go-to because yeah. most people aren't there, but there are some people that feel, well, I just need a little bit more of this before I can do that. Yes. And I do say, you know, like you need to be a good reader to be a good writer because you need to experience different types of writing and know what you like and know how like things move you. But when it starts to inhibit you from doing yeah and being that person that you need to be that's when you have to take a step back and so that's awesome that you you saw that and and brought you know took that step back and i hope that you don't just forever not do it <laughs> oh no no this was years ago oh good <laughs> yeah yeah this was years ago yeah the but ban is over thank goodness the, the ban is over yeah believe me my husband is like uh here's another book that came from wherever Oh my gosh. (laughs) I wish they would come in like secret packages or like a Harry Potter owl would deliver them in a different way that was not at the front door. I know. I wish it could just like poof, like just like onto my bookshelf maybe, or like, (laughs) right. Maybe that's, I mean, that is, I suppose what Kindle and Audible can do for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. However, that's yeah. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily our friend. In the, okay, so last question for you, or maybe the last. What are you most excited about in your world right now? I am most excited about helping people who didn't think they could bring their voice out in a book, bring it out in a book. And one of the things that I do a couple times a year is this compassionate writer program. And I think that's a great way for people to step in to writing. I also have, you know, I just want to, I'm, I'm excited about being able to create containers for people that help them and hold them in a compassionate way so that they can share that voice. And it's just happening in different ways, I guess. Mm -hmm. I'm not answering this question very well. 
No, you are. You're doing great. <laughs> no, you are. So there's the Compassionate Writer course and it yeah. is launching like next week, right? Yes. It's launching May 18th. Oh, May 18th. Okay. Yeah. And I probably will be doing another round of that in the fall. And I always have a writing practice going, which is just a, we're writing together five times a week. If you want some compassionate container happening for you while you're writing. And, you know, we start with a little compassionate, like breathing exercise, Mm. and then like set the intention for what we're going to be writing. And we write for 45, 60 minutes, then come back and share how it went. Wow. And if you want a little spot coaching, you can, you can, you can have some. <laughs> nice. Nice. Okay. Last question. I think what has been most helpful for you today being in the trauma hydrus club? I think connecting with you has been the most helpful thing. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I love being in your space yeah. and I am so glad that we have finally been able to really connect and not just like virtually connect. And I think bringing together all of these different, like your, your experience with the trauma hiders club, bringing that together with writing and compassion is such a lovely marriage. I feel like, Mm -hmm. um, because that's what people often are holding way down deep inside. Right. Right. So I just really feel grateful to be on here with you sharing that together. Nice. Yeah. I love having you in this space. I have a like sort of a lightness in me. That's like, Karen, it's almost like if you build it, they will come in that field. You know, it's calling to me. So what I want you to know and what I want the listeners to know is right. Like we, when you hear that call, you can listen to it and trust Mm -hmm. it. Mm Mm-hmm. Every time that you push it down is it's just going to come back and bite you in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> so take it from me. <laughs> Not that I've written anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that you said yet. Yet. <laughs> I did. I said it. You've been listening to the Trauma Hiders Club podcast. For more episodes, head over to my website where you'll find links to resources mentioned and all the ways you can listen on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're ready to fight, discover the rules of Trauma Club. Head over to KarenGoldfingerBaker.com.